when did we become so arrogant where we've forgotten where we came from? We're nothing without God. How can God be loving but then send people to hell? He did everything in his power to prevent that from happening. But the truth is, it's a reality if you reject life. Yeah. If you, you reject know. life, that's just the alternative. That's what happens. There's no life outside of him. How can a loving God send people to hell? And so we're not going to spare any time. We're just going to jump right into it. This comes from uh, one of my favorites, uh, Frank Turek, and he's he's uh, addressing this question and, and we'll react to it as he uh, uh, goes on about this. Oh, look, nice to meet you. Right. Uh, how can somebody be in hell forever throughout the entire eternity, forever and ever and ever, and be in torture? Given that God is love, okay, it's quite difficult yeah, to... Before he answers, um, these are talking points, really, of a lot of professors across universities. A lot of the, the people who are asking these questions are getting these questions from other people that are saying, these are the linchpins, these are the things that are, why Christianity can't be true, why this whole thing can't be true. And what you have to first recognize is even in that question, it's flawed. It, it essentially, what it does is it gets, um, it puts the onus on God as, as it, it turns around and says, first thing is, how can a loving God send you to hell? It's never on the person. It's never on us. It's the view that God is, it is almost a dictator God and God's sending people to hell and it's this this whole mentality and then they flip it around and say um, why would this dictator god do that or send someone to hell and so even the because there's a lack of understanding in the people who are giving these questions and 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 are like oh look at this this very complicated and complex question it really is not complicated it's not complex and you have to be careful when people bring up these questions. Just because you don't know the answer to it doesn't mean there isn't a very simple answer to the question. So go on. Go ahead. Reconcile the two. Yes, it's a good question, but I would challenge the premise of the question because the premise of the question says torture. Nowhere in the Bible does it say torture. It, what it says is torment, which is more internally inflicted. Torment is the idea that I regret... Torment is regret without repentance. Hmm. Like I'll give you an example I used before. You say you, you're speeding and a cop catches you. You may regret that, but you don't repent of it, right? You're going, man, I knew he was there. Why didn't I slow down, right? I got to get a radar detector, you know, or whatever. You're not repentant. You regret, but you don't repent. And that's what hell is. It's continually sinning against God, even in the eternal state. Yeah, okay, so... So um, essentially, you can know, and, and I think this is where a lot of people struggle to fully understand, you can know that you need to come to God, but repentance is actually believing in your heart 
that you're going that you're going to do that. It says mm-hmm. in Revelation at the end of Revelation, it says when before the Am- uh, Battle of Armageddon happens that there are multiple raptures even that occur, like t- two, three raptures that occur after the initial rapture. The church is taken up. Then there are people who are become believers during the rapture. There is one that's taken up, and then there's the final where Jesus Himself comes back and says, please repent, and people ignore him. This, why, if hell wasn't a terrible place, and two, if hell wasn't a real place, and if hell wasn't an eternal place, why would Jesus even have to come Hmm. to set people free from something that doesn't exist? Why would Jesus even bring it up if it doesn't exist? It's mentioned in the Old Testament, and it's mentioned in the New Testament uh, multiple times. If if it didn't exist, number one, and, and the context of what it is, if it wasn't true, why would Jesus come to set us free from it? And did, would you would you think about him talking about the the idea of torture and torment, the idea of I, the speeding ticket? I found that interesting. Yeah, I, I I think that's interesting, although I don't think it really captures what the, it, the hell is. Now we're talking about two separate places here. Hell is the abiding place of d- Satan and his demons. But if you look at Revelation, and, and this is the thing I, th- I think we have to have an understanding. Of. Again, those questions have no understanding of the scriptures when you ask those questions of it's a place of torture. Well, in Revelation uh, uh, chapter 20, it says, And I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, having the keys to the abyss, and holding in his hand a great chain. He seized the dragon, the ancient serpent, who is the devil, or Satan, bound him for a thousand years, threw him into the abyss, and locked and sealed over him to keep him from deceiving the nations anymore until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be set free for a short time. So he's talking about this place, uh, abiding place of this pit. But in Revelation 20, 14, he says, death and Hades. So we're talking about death, this thing that takes our life, death and Hades, hell, were thrown into the lake of fire. Hmm. And the lake of fire is the second death. So Hades isn't the eternal destination of people. Hell is not the eternal destination of people. It's the lake of fire that's the eternal destination of people. Eternal separation from God. Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. If you see the, 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 what happens during the tribulation, All of that is being ruled by the king of this world. Do you want to live under the king of this world? You will in the lake of fire. Mm -hmm. The king of this world will be the king of the lake of fire. And the Bible says, and, and verse 15, it says, anyone whose name was not written in the book of life, was thrown into the lake of fire. Hmm. So people are thrown into the lake of fire if your name isn't written in the book of life. Hmm. And 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 this is multiple times Jesus brings this up. John, Apostle John writes this in Revelation that there is a lake of fire. It's like people want to be able to ignore God and reject God, but still after this life is done, I've rejected God. But at the end of life, or if I could get out, then because God's a loving God, he's just going to let me in. And we have this mentality that if you're a loving parent, you let me get away with things. Hmm. If you're a loving, you let me get away. And that's not how it works. That's 
that's one, not life for you, and it's not life for everyone around you. No, I think about it uh, like you ever seen the show Undercover Boss? Yeah. And where the, the CEO of the company goes undercover and he's working. And a lot of times the CEO, you, he, you could tell he's not very good with his hands. Yeah. Like, you know, the Struggles factory with the job that he Yeah. <laughs> and so a lot of times... Uh, because he's an amateur uh, as in regards to like their daily work and their labor and stuff. Uh, there's people that don't treat him very well, failing to recognize that this dude is their the boss. That, giving him a raise. Exactly. He <laughs> owns the company. And, and so then at the end, like my favorite part is where he is dealing out punishments and he's dealing out rewards. And I think, I really think it paints a really good picture of what Christ was here that a lot of people were like, you know, if I have the evidence for God, if I had it all laid out to me very clearly, you know, I would believe, but that's not the issue. You wouldn't submit, you wouldn't turn, you want to do what you want to do. That's the whole idea of why in hell you're not looking to repent. You're not looking to change. You still blame and you can, and you continue to sin because you don't want to be under the dominion of God. That's the whole point. And so there's this interesting, you know, mindset where we think that, you know, is there any other alternative out? Like, how come there's just, you know, punishment outside of being, having a relationship with yeah, God? Yeah, I, I think God is love. There's no question yeah. that God is love, but there was also a flood. Hmm. And in that flood, many people perished in the flood. You know, yeah. he said he's never sending a flood to the earth again, but he sent his son Jesus to give everyone access to God and to experience. Why were if you think about it, why were people created in the first place? Hmm. We were created for relationship with God. Exactly. That's the purpose of our existence. Exactly. To be in relationship with God. And from that, we experience the fullness of life like we've never experienced it before. Everybody wants to make this life about God being a genie and doing for them. Mm. That John, God is there to make my life better. God is mm. there to give me eternal life. God is there to... No, God gave you life. You've had this thing called life. You've had existence. If you choose to live it without God, then you will choose to live it because you're an eternal being. Yeah. Everybody wants to try to... To try to argue why God isn't going to send them to hell. When God himself came in a body and said, this place exists, follow me so that you don't go there. I mean, there, there are so many scriptures that talk about it. Um, he, uh, Matthew 5, 22 says, but I tell you that anyone who is angry with brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother and sister rock is answerable to the court and anyone says you fool will be in danger of the fires of hell if your right eye causes you to stumble and this is in verse 29 gouge it out and throw it away it's better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to be thrown into hell and if your right hand causes you to stumble cut it off throw it away it's better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to go into hell and in chapter 10 of verse 28 of matthew it says do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul rather be afraid of the one who can destroy the body uh, both the soul and the body in hell he says it again in 1819 if your eye causes you sin gouge it out or, or if you have two eyes then be thrown into the fire of hell then in verse 23 he says you make 
he he refers to hell as a reference to the child in Matthew 23:33 he says you snakes you brood of vipers how will you escape being condemned to hell and then we see it in Mark hell mentioned multiple times we see it in Luke we see it in Acts where you know it the the word is mentioned even in James James chapter 3 verse 6 um uh, the tongue also is fire and is set on fire by hell. And in a second, Peter, uh, for, for if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them in chains of darkness to be held by judgment, he's, he's referring uh, to even us. It goes on in verse 5, if he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, preacher of righteousness, and seven others, if he condemned the Sodom of city of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them example of what's going to happen to the ungodly. And if he rescued Lot, a righteous man, it just goes on talking about then why do we want to, obviously I know why we want to think this, but there is a hell. You don't want to go there. And the punishment for hell is lake of fire. Mm -hmm. And that's worse. Mm -hmm. That's worse. Yeah. And we're all if you if Christ isn't your life, you will end up in the lake of fire. And the difference, and this is what people really this is where we gotta get humble, is because the difference that separates you from the dust of the earth is God. Mm -hmm. God forms you out of the dust of the earth. And the thing that separates you from just being a dirt ball is the breath that he instilled and the life that he gave you. But, and this is what it was, there was, there was a preacher that was talking about this and, and they were, they were talking about the severity of hell and they were talking about that punishment. And he goes, is this really an issue? Is this really what we're talking about? And people started laughing and he goes, no, I'm serious. He goes, when did we become so arrogant where we've forgotten where we came from that we're nothing without God? And the problem in the mindset is God, again, the reason why it's an, even an issue to understand, you know, a character of flaw that how can God be loving, but then send people to hell. He did everything in his power to prevent that from happening. But the truth is it's a reality if you reject life. Yeah. If you, you reject know, life, that's just the alternative. That's what happens. It, There's no life outside of him. What's interesting is if you take the battle of Armageddon, uh, many people think, um, because there's this, this, a lot of atheists want to attack the belief in God. They want to go after this belief in God. And so they say, how could a loving God, they use terminology way out of context to get people to just bite into this. But God, it, so they talk about the battle of Armageddon. And it's just like this gruesome battle where we come back and we ride our horses and we kill everybody after the seven-year tribulation, if that's what you believe, and, and, you, and you come in and you kill everybody. But if you read it, it really says it's, he really says he recalls his word. And when he recalls his word from those in the army, so the mercy of God is so incredible hmm. that he, in fact, the Bible says his word holds all things together. This is an interesting thing. All things are held together. That means you and I are held together by God's word. Hmm. At the battle of Armageddon, it says that Christ recalls his word because they say, we don't want you. We don't, we don't accept you. They believe in God. They just don't want 
God. Exactly. And and so God says, I'm going to recall my word from you. And when he does, their skin disintegrates, then their muscle, then their vessels, and, and right down to their skeleton begins to fall like dirt to mm. the ground and then it dissolves away. In fact, it, it describes this. And, and if you've seen Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, at the end, when they look in the Ark of the Covenant and the guy, you know, holds what he gets in the Ark of the Covenant out and, and any kind of descent, they, they actually illustrate what it would be like hmm. uh, in, on the day of battle of Armageddon. And the, the reality is we live by God's mercy. Mm. We exist. Mm. And God created it us created us for his pleasure mm-hmm. to, to be, and we get to benefit of that, right? Yeah. But there are many people who say, I don't want God. I don't I don't want God. I want anything to do with God. And God's not this mean dictator ogre. He goes, okay, if you don't want me though, this world really is best experienced with me. Mm-hmm. I created it that way. But if you don't want me, then you will serve the ruler of this world. Mm. And I'm going to give you a place for which you will serve him. And you'll discover that that king is all about himself. Hmm. And that will be the torment. It won't be God tormenting or torturing anyone. It will be the king you chose that will be torturing you. So you get the choice of two kings, the king of, of the creator of the universe or Satan. Do you really think that he tortures people though? Does he have the ability or is he getting tortured oh, Satan. himself? Yeah. No, Satan, absolutely. It's his world. It's his world. He's thrown into a pit. He's ruling. Where does this, where does Satan and his demons exist in this very moment? Hell, but they're going there to be punished, right? No, that that's their existence. It doesn't say they're being punished in the lake of hell. They're not able to roam and deceive us. They're building their own kingdom. Hmm. And they will be forgotten by God. The lake of fire is described in Psalms as the sea of forgetfulness. Now imagine that God completely wipes from his memory the existence of anyone in the lake of fire. Like, even when 9-11 was happening, Sujo John, we had him come and speak at our church a number of years ago. He was a, a, a believer from India that had been witnessing to his friends. He was an orphan that went through an orphanage with Mark and Hilda Buntain and uh, uh, grew up in a home where they led him to Christ and he became a strong believer and he got educated because they had a school to educate orphans. And he became, he's a very intelligent man. Ended up in the World Trade Center, the first one that fell mm-hmm. on the day of 9-11. And... and um, he was coming down the stairway and he had preached these people for years and they'd mock him and laugh at him. But on the way down, they were asking him, uh, because of what happened, they were, they were scared and they're asking him, will you tell us about this God? How do we make this right? And he led a group of guys. They were walking down together in a prayer of salvation on their way down. And they were walking as they're coming out of the lobby the building started to fall and they could hear the creaking in the building while they were coming down. And when they came out, the building started to fall when he was literally just leaving the building. They pushed open the doors and he, he, he said, I remember praying, let something soft hit me. 
that, you know, when it was coming down because he believed he was done. Well, every single person he led to Christ died. Wow. In that moment. But Sujo lived. And it was interesting because something in us, when it comes to death, you pretty much, all what you really believe, you know there's a God. Yeah. You say there's no God because you don't want to have to live with the conscience mm-hmm. of why, you know, the guilt or shame of what you're doing that comes Satan brings when you do that. You don't want to live with that. So you try not to believe there's a God. But like Sujo is uh, saying is is in, in, in every person, when, when it came down to life or death, they, they knew God was a good God. Hmm. And they knew that after death, not knowing, they wanted to be with God. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that is definitely, definitely powerful. That, you want to keep watching this? Yeah. Let's do it. Because you don't want God. And according to the scriptures, according to Luke it, chapter 16, the people in hell aren't asking to get out of hell. So they just say, go warn other people about this place. Remember the rich man in hell? Yeah. He's still treating Lazarus like he's his servant. Hey, Lazarus, help me out down here. He doesn't, and he says, to, he says, go tell my brothers about this. And Jesus says, they already have Moses and the prophets. Even if someone rises from the dead, they won't believe. Because the problem isn't here, the problem's here. They don't want it to be true. Yeah. I, the, that's, they don't want it to be true. Mm. And, and that's the powerful motivation for why people resist um, resist God in the first place. There's a, there's a verse in Psalms that says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Yeah. It's, that's the, like, I truly do believe because, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go off the word of scripture and what Jesus has to say rather than what people tell me and what their experience is. I believe that people suppress the truth. Uh, and I really do believe that if you want to, it's not an issue of finding Christ because I believe he's very easy to find because he's not playing hide and go seek with you. It's a matter of humbling yourself and recognition. That's why the Bible talks about blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are those who understand that they're in need of something more than material things or what this world can offer. And God will satisfy because there's an eternity. There's an eternal sized hole in your heart that money, that possessions, that careerism, that that it can't provide. And there's those that recognize it. And there's those that are satisfied with the temporary pleasures of this world. I, I, there's a lot of things that we can hear and can be in scriptures, but we just don't want to believe it. Yeah. We don't want it to be true. But when you stop wrestling with truth and you start just accepting it, it's incredible how you'll look back and say, why was I resisting this when this was actually way better for me? to submit to it. And, and that whole, that rebellion, that spirit of rebellion that's in us that wants to resist it is the very thing that, uh, is the culture of the lake of fire. Hmm. I mean, when you think about it, it is the culture of the lake of fire rebellion, but can you imagine living in a world and we're, and we're living in one where the spirit of rebellion is all around us. You know, it's interesting. Um, it's like we want to do whatever it is we want to do and everybody should be able to do whatever we want and everybody's truth is truth. 
right? Everybody's, whatever you think is true, a truth. And I was watching um, at North Carolina, there was a, this uh, shooter that went into the university this few days ago. I was watching it and he shot a professor. And I think he was from another country and he came in and he shot a professor and they were interviewing students on North Carolina's campus. And they said, something needs to be, something needs to happen. We deserve to be safe on our campuses. We deserve to be safe. We deserve, you are getting exactly what we deserve when we want our own independence. When we sit there and we say, you, your truth is whatever your truth is, because that man's truth that shot the professor was okay with you. You said his truth was truth. You say, well, I don't like his truth. What you, but you said whatever truth you want truth to be. People should be able to do whatever they want, and it's true, whatever they feel, whatever they think is true. Oh, no, no, we didn't mean it for that. Well, then where's the line? Where's the boundary? If, if that's your thinking, you're getting exactly, because there's no moral code. There is no moral code anymore. The, there is no morality. There is no form of that. And and we want to impose our moral code, what I think is right and wrong, on everyone else. I think it's interesting in a in a country that is is consumed by alcoholism. They're now coming out and discovering that alcohol is destroying our culture right now, and now the government is starting to tout what Christians have been saying for years. You should avoid alcohol. You should not allow alcohol into your home. Abstinence of alcohol is better than even a few drinks of it. And we've been mocked and we've been laughed at and told we're no fun and you're just out of control. They're not meant to say you shouldn't, you're going to go to hell if you drink alcohol, but it's not good for you. But when we, when, we, when we ignore any moral standard, biblical moral standards, and I'm not even saying alcohol is a biblical moral standard, it's just not good for your body. When you ignore biblical moral standards, don't tell me you deserve a biblical fruit from, moral, from biblical moral standards. We, we expect the fruit from biblical moral standards when you're living by a worldly uh, uh, moral standard, which Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. That's and the, the interesting thing about that is that the, and this is what people don't understand, God's law is not just to keep people from fun. God's no. law is that you can live a blessed life, a safe life. If you really, then, and this is really described when Jesus says, you know, all the law can be summed up in two things. Pastor James, if everybody did these two things, there would be no sin on this earth. You can legislate, legislate, legislate as yeah. much as you want. It's not going to change the wickedness of the human heart. It's been the same for thousands of years. I don't care if you have a smartphone and feel very progressed uh, right. and evolved by now. It's never, it's never going to change. But Jesus says that the law can be summed up two things. Love your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. You won't sin if you keep those two laws. And that's so stinking simple. And that's how God designed it. But the problem is sin is crouching at the door. And the reason why the Bible also says the world is corrupted is because of that sinful desire. That rebellion against God's law leads 
to tragedies that we then blame God for. Yeah, Isn't that I interesting? Mean, when you remove God from from the city square, you remove any love for other people. Yeah, exactly. You don't see the value of the human race at all. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, and then you get questions like like what we're we're listening to right here. Go ahead with. Even if it is torment, it's still quite difficult to imagine somebody being mm-hmm. in torment mm-hmm. forever and ever and ever, mm-hmm. given that God is love and you have somebody in heaven enjoying forever and ever as well. What is God's it's, alternative? So it's just Stop quite it difficult right there. to... Uh, he, he, this is great. What's God's alternative? They have chosen to live life without God. Mm-hmm. You're on the path. If this is you, you've chosen to take the path you're on. Nobody's making you do it. If you don't believe in God, if you do believe in God, but you don't, you haven't invited Christ to be the center of your life and come into relationship with Christ because you don't want to, it's your choice. God isn't there forcing you. God isn't trying to entice you to come to him and to follow him, but it's your choice. You get to choose. You also get in those choice to experience the consequences of your choice. You can't go and rob a Louis Vuitton store or Nike store or, or any store. And then when you get caught for robbing that store, then say, well, you know, if you were loving people, you'd let me off. There are consequences to making that choice. Now, I, I, you know, Alex brought up something that's interesting. He said, you know, you'll hear people say all the time, we are not under the law. We are not under the law. I think people forget when you say you're not under the law, you need to finish that statement that Christ set us free from the law that sentenced us to death. But we still live by principles within the law. Why? Because it's good for us. Because God gives us the ability to do it. He enables us to do it. I want you just to think for a moment. And this is such a fine line. When you say, I'm not under the law so I can do whatever I want, then you would be lawless. If you're not under the law, you're lawless. And a lawless attitude says, I can do whatever I want to do in that moment, and I'm just fine with that. That is the kingdom of the world. That's lawlessness, is the kingdom of the world. We're not saved by doing the law. We're saved by the blood of Jesus that was shed for us. But that blood set us free from the impact of death that affects our life on a day-to-day basis. You must choose, choose to follow Jesus Christ in order to escape the lake of fire, which is where we were all headed from the time we were born because Adam and Eve chose in the garden and we are of the bloodline. But Christ came to set us free from that destination. You have to walk over the cross of Christ in order to get into the lake of fire. So when you sit there, if you're this person, say, I'm having a hard time believing that you're going to spend an eternal. We just have a hard time understanding eternity, period. Everything has a life cycle 
cycle in our existence. And we actually have a hard time even comprehending what eternity would look like. So for him to say, don't you have a hard time comprehending? Of course you do. Because we've never seen it. We, infinity, we can't comprehend infinity. We can't comprehend living forever. We can't comprehend a place with no death, with no brokenness. We can't comprehend any of eternity. So to say, how do you, how do you comprehend a place where there's torment forever and ever and ever? Well, you can't comprehend heaven. You can't comprehend anything really in eternity. So it's, it's you know, you got to paint the entire picture. Well, first of all, it, I understand your point, but it's a moral objection, right? It's saying that somehow God is immoral for doing this. But since God is the very standard of morality, we have to trust that he is going to be just in the afterlife. Nobody's going to be put at a level of torment that is excessive. Their level of torment will be a level appropriate for their sin. Uh, and just like there are deg uh, degrees of punishment in hell, there are degrees of reward in heaven because God is just. God's not going to punish the garden variety unbeliever at the same level as if, as if he would Hitler, right? People are going to be treated fairly, justly, because God is just. That's, that's okay, the whole point. Okay, now I might come away from this. I don't know anywhere in the Bible where it says that, what he just said. I don't know of any place in the Bible that says there's grades or levels in hell. Um, so I don't know where he's getting that from. I don't know how he's even, and he doesn't use any scripture to say that other than the fact that God is just. So I don't know where he's getting that. Um, I'm not, I would be a person that said there are not levels to punishment in hell, that, that God isn't thinking like we are and we have minimum security prisons and maximum security prisons and middle security prisons. I, it's hell. Mm. I, I think I've, I've heard it in the sense of the revelation that you have received. And so Romans, it talks about uh, as far as dealt out punishments with those that have received the law and they know the law and they act accordingly, that they, they act disobediently or rebel against that law, that there'll be a judgment based on the revelation that people have had. And as far as dealt out punishments, that's, that's in Romans where Paul talks about that. But in the sense of, I don't, I don't know anywhere. Hell is either, what do you think is the worst thing about the lake of fire, not hell, the lake of fire. It's what would hot. you say is the worst thing about the lake of fire? It's hot and separated from God. I know it's going to be cold in the lake of fire. Yeah, it's if you don't like fire. it. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's separation from God. Yeah. Right? Where's the level in that? Hmm. True. If God doesn't, if God isn't there, God doesn't hear you. God doesn't respond. I mean, if you're somebody who's vomiting and you don't believe in God, but if you feel like you're dying, you call out to God, uh, he, you believe he hears you. Even if you're not a believer, if there's a God, you believe he hears you. But he won't hear you in the lake of fire. He doesn't know you exist. Hmm. You've been... Where do, you, where do all of your sins get thrown? Where does all the death that you've had in your life gets thrown in the sea of forgetfulness. Mm -hmm. 
in the lake of fire mm-hmm. where you're at. See, he's not sending anybody to hell. You chose your sin, and God sent your sin and death to hell. When Jesus died on the cross, he purchased all sin and death. He purchased it, which means he owns it. Now, you have a choice. Do you just release it and say it's his? It's not mine. I will follow Christ. I'm going to receive his gift of life, and I'm going to give him my death, the great exchange, right? Or are you going to be someone that says, I refuse to believe in Jesus. I refuse to believe in the cross, and I'm going to keep my sin. I'm going to keep all those things, and I'm, that's mine. I'm keeping it. I did those things. It's I don't believe in he forgave me. I, they're mine. Well, whether you like it or not, at the end of time, he's sending all of those things into the lake of fire. And so what God's not sending you to the lake of fire. Your decision to hang on to everything that made you guilty is sending you there. You can let it go, but you get to choose. It's your choice. Mm-hmm. It's your choice. So I don't know where he's getting the whole level thing from. It So maybe it's there, maybe it's not. Um, don't know that I, I agree with that because I don't know how there's a difference in separation from God because you're, you're either separated. You can die in a foot of water as much as you can die in fathoms of water. Hmm. Uh, it, it, it's... Yeah. Without, I, without Christ, I mean, you're going to the lake of fire. Mm-hmm. I don't know how it gets worse or better. And I feel like that's a good point to kind of like conclude because there's so much we can continue to talk about. Um, but I really want to highlight really the goodness of God because the reason why people come to Christ is because of the kindness. Uh, the reason why we love is because he first loved right. us. And how was that love shown? Well, a consequence that he didn't deserve, he stepped into our mess in order to rescue us. The problem is if you think you're good and you think that everything is great and you don't recognize your need of a savior and you want to play God, by all means, but when you humble yourself and receive what Christ offers, it is a, it is far better. And I don't know how, you know, there, there's this, like what I see people um, doing when presented the gospel I tell people like this, I'm like, I have not seen, I I don't see any other idea get as rejected as hard as Christianity as far as like, you know, at least be hopeful about it. Like if this is true, what would that mean for your life? Wouldn't you you want good news? You lean into good news. Even if it might not true, when you hear it, you lean into it. Exactly. Like a lottery ticket. You're not thinking like, oh man, like, you know, everybody, even though they know that this might not work out. The idea of it working out leads you to go and purchasing a lottery ticket that's so far-fetched from that being your reality. Yeah. But with Christianity, there isn't at least, there isn't well, like this hopeful mindset. Think, think of it, isn't it interesting? Like, well, we want God to give people a get-out-of-hell card, right? Mm-hmm. Rather than understand it's an eternal destination. Mm-hmm. That's why we go and tell people the good news. The yeah. Bible says, go ye therefore and preach the gospel to everyone. Mm-hmm. Make disciples of people. There's an urgency there because we believe there's an eternal lake of fire, because there's a place people are going. But what? rather than us being preachers of the gospel, you know, we want to believe in God, and there's a lot of believers in God who will not be in heaven. They believe, but they just... 
they they just didn't really believe. They knew there was a God. They didn't believe it. But the, it's like there's no urgency to tell people about Jesus. Mm-hmm. So we're more worried about why won't God just love them back into heaven? You know, we we don't want to tell people about it. We just want God to accept people the way they are, like we do. God should be a more accepting God of the destructive forces that are destroying people instead of like the, the you know, a lot of the other stuff that's going on. It's it's God's this dictator mean well if he was a dictator mean god why would jesus come to earth and die on a cross exactly if if it wasn't and and look at the life of people going through these lifestyle issues look at how horrible some of it is yeah i mean the depression the suicidal uh, desires i mean there's a lot of destructive things happening in their emotional state yeah. that they're trying to blame on all the haters yeah. that, that they hate us that's why that's Everybody has haters. Everybody has haters, but not everybody wants to kill themselves. Everybody has haters. Everybody has haters. The the reality is we're trying to dismiss when you expose yourself to the enemy and the values of the enemy and the, the king of this world, you're going to experience an emotional breakdown inside because Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And that's what the lake of fire is going to be. And, it, and the, the agenda and culture of the lake of fire will be set by Satan, not by God. So stop blaming God, who is love, for something that Satan is doing and Satan is establishing in the lake of fire. So there's probably going to be more discussion on this because it's such a loaded topic. But the idea to recap, God is good. God is love. God is the one that is rescuing you from your own turmoil, that this was something that you got yourself into, that this was a debt that you accumulated and Christ has set you free from the consequences of that debt. Uh, and so above, that's what we're trying to convey, the love of God that brought us out of this mess and set us free. We're on a way of destruction. We are headed down a path of destruction, whether that's, you know, a road trip and it's it's a long way down the road, like you're going 1,500 miles down the road. But at the end of that road, regardless if it's around the corner or way down the road, that it ends with the cliff. And you can live your life ignorant to that, but Christ is the detour that says, turn around, repent. You are heading down destruction. Christ is saying, turn around and choose life. And you can do that today. And it's as simple as believing the message of the gospel that Jesus died for your sins, that he is resurrected. He's the judge of the living and the dead. And when you believe in him, you can become born again and regenerated by his spirit that is still at work in this world. But thank you guys for watching. We're so glad that you decided to tune in. Uh, Make sure you like and subscribe and follow us on all social media so you don't miss out on any of the content clips, remixes, or lives that we do. We love you guys, and we will talk to you guys uh, later.